Two Brothers, One Mike is a weekly podcast put together to help motivate and inspire our listeners both mentally and physically in the hopes of helping you be the best you. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Two Brothers, One Mike. I'm Joe, and as always, my brother, Coach Tony, is here. Tony. Hey, everybody out there in T-Bomb land. Good morning or maybe even afternoon, evening. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, when you're listening, this could be 2 o'clock in the morning for all we know. Um, uh, and it's all good. Uh, so no, there's no problem with that. Uh, we got a great show today uh, where we are going to get into goal setting. Uh, we're going to talk about excuse making. Uh, but, you know, first... Uh, in this opening segment, we're we're gonna we're gonna skip away from like Joe said last week. We're gonna skip away from the '70s and '80s nostalgia. We're gonna get back to that at a different time and in the good storytelling that we have, um, or uh, the feel-good stories, I should say, that we have. And we're gonna look into in this first segment instead how to approach and ask questions when presenting a change in eating lifestyle to your doctor. Now, also. What info should you be seeking from your medical practitioners, your medical specialists, and so on and so on? And Joe has plenty to add here, I uh, believe. Yes, yes, I do. And, 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 you know, the thing is, too, it's not even – it's not really even that complicated. There isn't even – I don't even know that we could put an S at the end of that uh, questions, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just – it's relatively to the point, but uh, I'll get into it here. So mm-hmm. recently it was brought to our attention by a couple, actually a few of our listeners, that when they approached their doctors, as everyone should, uh, about starting intermittent fasting, they were met with ridicule and at times horrible advice. Now, look, we still recommend going to your doctor before starting any new nutritional lifestyles. Mm-hmm. That's never going to change. But perhaps walking into the appointment and simply saying you'd like to start IF and then assuming he or she knows what you're even talking about right. isn't the best approach. I believe most of us feel that those wearing white coats know everything about everything when it comes to being healthy. And really, why wouldn't we? I mean, they're doctors, right? Well, just as police officers aren't lawyers, house painters aren't portraiture painters, and website developers aren't computer analysts, we can't just make an assumption by saying doctors know everything about health. If this were true, would we have specialists, surgeons, or even nutritionists? Good point. Right. No. You know, so just keeping this in mind before discussing IF with your doc is probably a good idea. Simply put, they don't know everything. So what does this mean? Well, believe it or not, you have to educate them to a certain degree, and there's a great reason for it, too. Doctors are, first of all, regulated by the AMA, the American Medical Association, as far as what they're taught, what they can recommend, what can they what they can prescribe for different illnesses, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is the same AMA who both supports and teaches the philosophy behind the food pyramid, eating every two to three hours to keep your metabolism stoked, mm. and the all-too-popular breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I'm starting to get my blood pressure is going up just yeah. as, you, as you say that. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and this is what they're teaching. So this is all the doctors, you know, that's what they know that they know. That's that's what they can actually base their information off of what they're allowed to, right. what they're taught. Right. So my point here is it's not to argue with your doc. And we aren't no. screaming conspiracy theory here either about the MA. Not, well, there'll be some things that probably sound a little bit more like conspiracy in the future, oh. uh, but but not here. Uh, but knowing this is is the knowing this is the probable mindset of the doctor you're about to approach since he or she hasn't been taught otherwise should also help you in understanding how this talk should go. Um, so what do you say? Well, glad you asked. <laughs> First, <laughs> yeah. I would simply ask this. 
I'd like to try intermittent fasting after all I've heard about it. I like the idea I can tap into my fat stores and burn it off. And it sounds like uh, it has a ton of benefits. Now, here's the key part. Mm -hmm. Saying something like this, Doc, do you think it would do me any harm if I just did this for, say, 30 days and reported back to you so we can see how things progress? Now, first, I need to get this out there. Uh, this wasn't my idea to ask that question. Um, but when I was talking to our father about some of the concerns that we were having about the negative feedback with uh, a few of the doctors, mm -hmm. he suggested they simply just ask that one question. No doctor is going to say no to this unless there's a serious underlying condition that truly pre prevents you from doing IF in the first place. And by the way, the idea of this show's episode came when one of our listeners explained to Coach Tony that their doctor said, you need to accept the fact you're going to be on insulin for the rest of your life. I'm still now, baffled. You know, give me a second here because I, I can't help but to go into Papa Bear mode here. Um, and, and so, so, so what? I mean, hmm. listen, there are people in this world who do need to accept this as a fact. But to my understanding, this person was not one of them. We know insulin spikes keep us from losing weight. His remedy is to keep pumping her full of the stuff that's making her worse and will, will lead to her eventual demise. How is this even an acceptable answer to a person's plea for help? He wouldn't even consider this idea as a possibility and instead sent them out of the office with no answers. Now, I have to say this here, and if our listener is hearing this as well, I am talking directly to you. But understand, not just them. If this applies to you in life, well, listen up. I get that the doctor gave you an answer based upon ignorance. And I also understand that you as his patient have every right to just take what he said and feel justified by living your current lifestyle based upon quote unquote doctor's orders. But you know what? This is on you as well. And no, mm -hmm. not because you didn't present it correctly. You didn't even know about that as, you know, a different way to talk until this episode, right? So not because you didn't present it correctly, but because you walked into his office, you were given ill advice and just accepted it since it's easier, easier than maybe getting a second opinion, easier than putting in the hard work and easier than finding a specialist, perhaps, as opposed to your family doctor to maybe have a better understanding of your request. Because let's face it. If intermittent fa fasting was confirmed as a good fit, well, then you'd have to do it. Now, to everyone else, as I was saying, might I remind all of you, you are the ones wanting a better and healthier life. You're the ones who are seeking the answers and listening to this podcast, the ones asking the questions and willing to put in the hard work to start with. So if your doctor is against you trying anything, not just IF, he didn't even give a recommendation as to what they could do. So, you know, it, it, there, was, there was no advice given whatsoever. How in the hell is that ever an acceptable answer? My advice, you have to be your own advocate for what you are passionate about. No one else shares what you hold true to your heart. So there it is. And this leads me perfectly into our next segment. Are we making plans? Doc said, I'm going to be on insulin for the rest of my life. I need a second opinion or something else to lose weight. Or are we making excuses? Well, I mean, he is a doctor. He knows better, even though his reasoning isn't based upon any facts. Yeah. And if I could just say this mm -hmm. uh, uh, before, I, I know we're going to be going into a, a break here for in a second. And, and so let me just say this. Did I interrupt you? That's no, you're totally question. fine. Yeah, okay. Fine. Folks, when, when the individual came to me, there's one thing that sticks in my head. 
And it's good that Joe just brought up exactly how you should approach the doctor. I have doubts, serious doubts that they asked the doctor the proper questions that they claimed to me that they asked. Uh, and, and so basically, because they didn't approach it the way Joe is now telling all of you to approach your doctors, the doctor was probably immediately turned off by it and wanted mm-hmm. to hear nothing about it. Now, mm-hmm. here's the thing. There are, se- there are several different types of groups of people that really should not do any type of time-delayed eating. There's different avenues and different routes to be a healthier you. Yep. And those people are the following, okay? And, and this isn't limited to just, but at the top of my head, if you are suffering from the psychological disorders of bulimia or anorexia, right. time-delayed eating is not for you. And yes, I did say psychological orders. And if you want to argue about that on a different show, that's fine with me. OK, uh, because they are psychological. They are not eating disorders. And I'll move on from that. Uh, if you are type one diabetic, there's a good chance you have to take a different route. And insulin may indeed be a part of your life for life. Right. And I am not one here to try and diagnose and give you an idea of why or why not. That is up to your doctor. I am not a doctor. Right. Uh, type two diabetics. I'm going to be straightforward with you. I don't want to hear it. I, if you put yourself in that situation, ladies and gentlemen, you are not born a type two diabetic. Nope. It is a lifetime over many years of doing what you should not have been doing in an eating regimen. And yes, I'm being hard on you right now. That's my job. And so the reason why I'm being hard on you is because you got yourself into it. Now you have to get yourself out of it. And if I'm going to sit there and coddle and cater you, and if Joe's going to do that, you're not going to get out of it. And if your doctor is going to coddle and cater you, you're not going to get out of it. Right. So the fact of the matter is the way the doctor approached it was probably based on the way the patient approached it and dismissed it as quickly as the patient asked the question. And so you have to educate the doctor because as Joe said, doctors are taught and trained as professionals to diagnose and cure, not to prevent. Preventative medicine is a lot different. Certainly is. All right. We're talking about prehabilitory. We're not talking about rehabilitory. Mm -hmm. And so doctors, believe it or not, there are millions of doctors out there that are very much open to understanding how this all works. And and these are smart people. They didn't become doctors because they're dumb. These are extremely intelligent individuals who will who are always willing to learn more and more and more. Is arrogancy run about at a certain point? Well, yeah. I mean, there is a certain confidence in them that that they're confident in knowing what they know about medicine. Yep. Uh, but like 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 Joe said, they are taught and trained and educated in such a way that if you're presenting something to them that they are not taught in their in their all their years of schooling, they're not going to just say, sure, go ahead and do it. You have to talk right. to them about what it is, and they will do their research on it if they don't yeah. know about it. And and like I said, that 30-day bit, um, there's nothing – you're probably not going to do anything. I mean they may even come back and say, let's do two weeks. There's probably not going to be enough done to you to really hurt you provided they're okay with it in the first place. Uh, right. And and you'll see, and, I, and if you are, listen, if you're of, of the group that is morbidly obese, three, you know, 400 pounds and, and, you know, you're, you're five, two 
Okay. Uh, two weeks in intermittent fasting, you're going to lose a lot of pounds real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, it happens fast in the beginning for certain, especially if you're, if you're that, that much overweight. So, you know, you'll see the effects of it. Don't think that, well, a month isn't going to be long enough. What's he going to see? Oh, you'll see a dramatic, uh, uh, decrease in your weight for one. Yeah. Um, you know, provide you're doing correctly and, you know, everything is working well for you. But anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Well, no, no. And I just want to finish up with some of the other groups of people that should not mm -hmm. try this because right. I, I cut myself off. Um, so I talked about people who have bulimia, people who have anorexia, type one diabetics, children should not do time delayed eating no, no. Uh, for nutritional reasons. They need the nutrients more and more. They're still growing in every yeah. way, shape and form. Yeah. And, and uh, last but not least, pregnant women. Uh, absolutely not. You, you're feeding too. Um, and, and believe it right there at that. And there, there's some other situations as well where you have to watch your approach, but that's a different show. I just wanted to get out the main core group of people that obviously should not try or not obviously because people didn't know that they sure. should not try time delayed eating. There's other avenues. There's other ways to be a healthier you, but type two diabetics, you're on the clock and yeah. that's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, and there might be a small, a small understandable, but not excusable reason. Uh, those of you that may be type two diabetic because of other things you have going on in your life. Uh, what I'm talking about is, and, and I'm going to address this further here in a minute. Um, there are certain medications that perhaps weight gain is a side effect and it's like, oh, so what do I do? Mm. Um, well, that weight gain, you know, it, <laughs> You, you learn to adjust and adapt to that. There's medications that I'm on that the side effect is uh, increased appetite. And so one of the reasons why I log my food is because I need to look and see, am I hungry because I haven't eaten really today? <laughs> or am I hungry because this is probably from my medicine talking to me? Yeah. And more than once, I've had to push myself away because that's what I can do. You know, so the, it doesn't excuse you. I mean, but it does, it does provide a reason and it's understandable. However, probably 90% of us, listen, I was on my way. I was on, they put, they gave me metformin. Okay. I never took a pill of it. I instead changed my entire diet and never had to take it. But my A1C was up, my, my glucose was up. Um, and so, yeah, no, I understand the struggle. Believe me. I think, I think what people need to understand is we are not saying to you, starting right now, you need to do 36-hour fasts on Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday. Right, right. Yeah, and that is absolutely not. We've If you're listening to this show, you should have been listening to the other 12. Right. And, and, and start, starting right now, you should be making plans and figuring it out and do, right. you know, working your plan, and, and right. that's it. Again, you start time-delayed eating. You start intermittent fasting, same thing. Uh, you know, I've I even said I recommend starting with 10 hours and working your way up uh, right. to, to whatever seems to be achievable to you. Right. You, know, you don't have – the end goal doesn't have to be 48 hours. It doesn't have to be 18 hours. No. You may do just fine on a 16-hour regiment or a 14-hour. God bless. Man, if you could do it in 10 hours, you are amongst one of the luckiest. Go for it, right? Yep. Uh, you know, I, you'll you'll see. And if you haven't figured it out by now uh, from last week's uh, pizza rant, <laughs> okay, that uh, I, I like the bare minimum to achieve my best. I you've do. been ranting. You've been on a lot of rants lately. You've I have, been on a lot I of have. rants lately. Okay. You know, but, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor here. And when we return, we're going to be talking about making excuses. And also, we're going to start discussing goal setting. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everyone. So Tony Robbins said it best. There are only two options, make progress or make excuses. And perhaps Benjamin Franklin's take on excuses was a bit more harsh, but definitely more honest when he said, 
He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. It's easy these days to think of a million ways to get out of our responsibilities and obligations and then justify them with some ridiculous explanation. I'm too sore. I'm too tired. I work today. I just worked out yesterday and on and on and on. Okay, so let me ask, why? Why do we feel the need to justify our actions, or in this case, our inactions, with excuses as if not doing something for our own benefit will hurt others around us? Who are we trying to fool here? I mean, really, my point here is quite simple. You're only hurting yourself by not exercising or by eating those extra helpings Mm -hmm. or refusing to drink water. Remember before the break what I said about being our own advocate? That doesn't just apply to asking questions and doing research, folks. That also means putting in the work even when it's the most inconvenient thing to do because that work is only for one person, you. So perhaps we start focusing on the progress option and leave the excuses for those who lack the drive and determination needed for successfully achieving our goals. Yeah. And uh, and I'll just, I'll just say this real simple when it comes to excuses, uh, because this is not going to, this is not going to be the last show about this. Mm -hmm. Um, It it truly folks, you've heard Joe rant about a few things when we really get into this and, and several other shows we're going to do about excuses there's one thing that irritates me more than anything in the world, and that's excuse making. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you why. Not just because of the excuses I have to hear on a daily basis, but the excuses I make to myself. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I am on the clock. I am accountable as well for this. As human beings, we do this. And I catch myself doing this often. And, and it's, it's absolutely uh, – it's definitely a situation that we have to get under control we really do as a human race have to get under under control of this excuse making mm-hmm. that we do. Eric Thomas, um, uh, great motivational speaker. People call me ET. Um, mm-hmm. He said, and, and I'm going to paraphrase here. Uh, he said, when you're out there and you're going after something, if, if it is an opportunity, if it's an opportunity to grab it, you're going to find a way to get it done. If it's an obligation to you, you're going to find an excuse. Yep. Uh, and he say, he said he has it. He puts it a certain way, and I can't remember exactly how he did. I heard him speak a, a long time ago. I, I listened to him speak, and and I can't remember exactly how he put those words. But he's right. When it becomes an opportunity, you'll you'll do whatever it takes to achieve it. When it when it is an obligation, uh, I got to get this done. Mm-hmm. You'll make an excuse as to figure out how not to do it, and 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 that is a problem. It is a major problem in this country, and I, I'll leave that at that. Um. And that takes us right into uh, something that can help us when it comes to the excuse making. And that's that's being goal oriented. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So, you know, today we are looking at several things when it comes to the topic of goal setting. So first, we need to ask ourselves, you know, what exactly is a goal? And I'm not going to give you the entire Webster's Dictionary definition. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, uh, part of the actual definition suffices here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the object of a person's ambition or effort, an aim or desired result. That pretty much fits everything we're going to talk about from this point on. What many don't realize is this. We set goals in one specific area of our lives and focus so much on that one area, we forget about all other aspects. Yep. We don't multitask when it comes <laughs> to goals. And, and let me touch on... 
uh, the ones that I point out, okay? Now, if you listen to some of the great motivational speakers, uh, they have what they call a will. And each, each, each goal uh, in, in their lives, in terms of different aspects of their lives, is a spoke. Uh, you can find so many different motivational speakers go with that will. Yeah. Uh, and they have up to sometimes eight or nine different areas of their life. I go with five. I think I do a pretty good job of covering with five. First is personal. When you talk about personal goals, it could be anything from remodeling a room in your house, you know, new carpeting, new floors, new windows, whatever it might be, adding on an addition to your house. Or it might be a personal goal such as weight loss, uh, beginning to exercise two to three times a week, uh, things of that nature when it comes sure. to personal. Uh, the second one is professional. Now, it could be wanting to start up your own business, already owning your own business and trying to figure out a way to increase sales over a certain amount of time, one year, three year, five year, uh, 10 year, usually the way business, you know, runs in increments as far as um, forecasting is concerned, uh, you know, things of that nature or already at a job working for another company and wanting to get a promotion. And what goals do you need to set to impress those that are watching you in your workday? So, so there's your professional side of things and there's so much more that goes with that. The third one is spiritual. Mm -hmm. People have spiritual goals. Anything as simple as I want to start going to church every Sunday to I want to pray every night before I go to sleep to I want to begin having prayer studies with people in the neighborhood. Sure. I say that because I, I, I say that because a lady who lives two doors up from me, actually, I, on Sundays, I see all the cars in the driveway and I could hear them. I could hear them, and, and that's what they do. And and so that's, I guarantee you, her and her son live there, and I guarantee you that's a goal of theirs. Well, and if I could add to another thing with spiritual, if you think anything that you want to improve in your character, you're going to find that it relates, it goes hand in hand with anything spiritual. Maybe sure. you want to uh, make it a point to be, for some, it may be, you know, we, we think that this is an automatic, but to be more truthful. Okay. Yeah. Not always. Uh, you know, there's some people that that's, that's a place that they struggle and they want to work on that or, yeah. uh, you, you see what I'm saying? Or not even that, but for serve acts of service, yeah. right. They right. want to do a little bit more for their neighbor. So a lot of these things with spiritual, you'll find it runs very hand in hand with, with your character. If you need right. additional right. example with that, but sure. Go ahead. Good. Good point. Uh, number four, after spiritual on my, on my smaller will, I guess, is social. Mm -hmm. uh, social goals are extremely important. I'm going to give you an example of a social goal. Uh, there's so many different avenues here, but I'm going to give you a personal example. I have a group of friends in my life. Now, not Facebook friends. That, that, there, there's another irritation of mine. <laughs> uh, you're not, listen, if we're on Facebook together, you are a Facebook acquaintance of mine. Um, a friend is a powerful term. Now, some of my best friends are on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Most of you out of the, I don't know, somehow I have 1,100 of you. <laughs> I don't even know who 300 of you are. Uh, and, and so you are acquaintances of mine. It's interesting to see what you're doing on a daily basis to a certain extent, I, I guess. Can I say something there real quick? If you, uh, and I've said this to you before, Tony, but to anyone listening, if you want to know how many true friends you actually have, change your birthday on your social media. Exactly. Change it two months away from your actual birthday, and let's see who wishes you a happy birthday. 
on yeah. your actual birthday as opposed to let's see what happens then you're going to find out real quick how many actual friends you have on social media yeah and social and and, and so the, and social media is another another show that we're going to do and the reason why I always say that is because we actually have it written down we have goals when it comes to this podcast mm-hmm. so so we have that written down already but uh for me i have a group of friends that are like brothers and sisters to me brothers like the guy on the other side of this mic sisters like the young lady that you heard us interview not that long ago our sister rena and so these people are just as much brothers and sisters to me as these two are and and we don't get the chance to see each other all the time because life has gotten to us as we've gotten older and there's children and we don't live right next to each other anymore and and right. so it gets a little more difficult so we've been talking because it's irritating to us and we've been talking about once a month getting together at somebody else's house or, or at another venue. Uh, Obviously uh, I'm dating this show by saying this, but the pandemic right now makes it a little more difficult and life in general makes it a little more difficult. And so the cool thing about it was we figured out that not everybody may able to be able to make every single one, but if you do it once a month, at some point, everyone gets to see everybody and see how everybody's doing. So sure. that's a goal of ours, and we have not been good at so, at, at, at this goal <laughs> lately, but we're going to get good at this goal because uh, it's a necessity for us. It really is. Yeah. And, and, and so there's an idea of a social goal. And in, a, in the fifth one, so we went with personal, professional, spiritual, social, and the last one on my will is financial. Financial is extremely important. Retirement. You know, having a 401k, a PSP plan, having goals when you get to retirement. Some people have it's it's becoming more of a dinosaur, but they have this thing called a pension. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, And and so you're looking at that. You're looking at when you retire, how old you are, how old your kids are. Do you have girls? That's a big difference. Sure. When you have girls, you're thinking, wait, do you know it costs twenty six thousand more dollars to raise a girl than a boy by the time they reach age 18? And And that's that's not even counting the wedding. That's before they're married. That's before they're married. (laughs) So so it's a whole different story. So you have to have financial goals. You should have a financial advisor. I do. And try to figure out your way towards retirement. That's just one avenue we're talking Mm -hmm. about. So that that being said, here's the thing. When you apply goals to one of these categories, it sometimes enhances another category or three. So when you're thinking of those five, okay, that I just mentioned, making the right decisions professionally can definitely enhance and accomplish goals financially. For example, making a career move that qualifies you for a higher pay scale with more growth in both your personal life, meeting new people, Mm -hmm. as well as professional life. Helping, having, you know, self-actualization, the realization that you are an important part of that business structure. Thank you, because I had no no clue there for a moment. I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and I'll give a uh, spiritual and social example as well, all right? Again, another example of how you could take one and combine them so you're not just focused on one thing at a time when you're setting goals. You know, from a social standpoint, when it comes to the spiritual standpoint, getting together with people for for prayer meetings or going to church, you want to go to church every Sunday, you you start to interact with other people. So your social and spiritual goals come together as one. And, And interacting with people has become a thing of the past. Um, lately, which is not good. 
from a mental standpoint, if you ask me. Uh, and so there's an idea right there where you're not just focusing on one aspect on how you can tie several of your goals together in different areas on that wheel that we talk about. Absolutely. No, I agree. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more on setting goals, a summary of today's show, and a sneak peek into next week's episode. Stay here. So there's something else we should give some thoughts to when it comes to setting our goals when we specifically look at working out in the foods we eat. Not to say this doesn't apply to all areas of life, but I'll talk about these ones here. So listen, your goals need to be realistic. And I'm not talking about how you want to be massive and shredded, but you don't want to eat healthy. Obviously, being that big doesn't come from poor poor food choices. No, what I'm saying is whatever it is you choose to do, be sure you can do it with a little discomfort and at 100%. We can't get comfortable, folks. That's the dead zone. And once we get there, it's time for changes. Yes. Slight but necessary change. Maybe an increase in reps, maybe a slight bump up in weight, maybe a small decrease in a certain food that you tend to eat all the time. Either way, the point is don't get comfortable. But one other thing I wanted to say here is, look, don't compare your 100% to someone else's. Listen, you may be physically impaired in such a way that doesn't allow you to lift weight in excess of 15 pounds. Or maybe there's a medical issue or prescription you're on that makes gaining weight either easy or is a known side effect. We talked about that earlier. Your 100% isn't going to look like the person who isn't on that medication or suffering those physical limitations. Your 100% is specific to you and your capabilities alone. You can't expect gains like Arnold or Lee Priest if you can only lift 10-pound weights, but you can have the same determination with those 10-pound weights to be the best possible version of yourself you can be. So set reasonable and realistic goals for yourself so you experience more successes rather than failures and injuries. And in the long run, you'll find you're much more confident by what, you, by what you've done. That said, I happened across a post today on Facebook that really spoke to this idea. It said, confidence isn't walking into a room and thinking you're better than everyone. It's walking in and not having to compare yourself at all. Once in a while, Facebook has a purpose, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that is actually, there's only a couple reasons to be on there. And and that is one of them. There's some great quotes sometimes, and there's some great feel-good stories. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's one of the reasons right there. I mean, that's a great that's a great quote right there. Did by any chance did it say who said that, or was that just a quote? It was uh, the the uh, person. His name is unknown. I, oh, okay. And so, <laughs> yeah, no, so no. you could actually, we could actually grab that then. And no, then I said that. No, yeah, I, I wrote it. I <laughs> that wrote was it, me. I put unknown. That was me. Folks, know this. <laughs> we always, we always give uh, credit to wherever we heard yeah. or, or saw, or, or we at least say this is something we saw. We do not take credit for any uh, quotes or, or things of that nature. No, it's like early in the show when I, you know, it was dad that gave the idea for that question. I'm like, well, yeah, that well, dad no would have never known. You could have said yeah. that dad would have never known. He's not yeah, well, listening. That's true. Dad, are you listening? He's <laughs> no, not, he's, now he's, now he's going to be listening. Now he's going to be like, I'm going to be listening to every yeah. show now. After yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that being said, okay, we come up with a question here. And that question mm-hmm. is, is why do we need goals? I've actually seen some pretty great motivational speakers actually do speeches talking about why you don't need goals. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, five minutes in, I'm turned off. That, to me, in my own opinion, folks, my own personal opinion, is absolutely absurd. You need to have goals. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, or I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to give you 
uh, some examples here, okay? Because this is a question I think a lot of people ask themselves, maybe not out loud, uh, but they ask themselves, you know, why do I need goals? Uh, let me ask you guys a question. When you are or when you were in school, I don't care what grade level it is. It could be eighth grade. It could be high school. It could be college. Uh, and you know that you need a 91% on an exam in a particular course to get an A for the year. How much more laser-sharp laser focus do you have on what needs to be done at the task at hand in order to get that 91% or better on that examination? You are focused. If you are not, then you're looking at it as an obligation and not an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Sound familiar? Yes. And, and, so, and so that being said, if you don't know what you need to get an A, you have way less laser sharp focus. You don't really even care. Your desire is way down and you're not as, as focused on, okay, I hate to keep using that word, on the task at hand. In order to get whatever you need. I don't even know what I need. You have to have a goal. If you know, okay, in a powerlifting meet that you need at the end of the meet, those of you who are powerlifters know the deadlift is the last event. And you're competing and it's you between you and three other guys. You're in the top four. You're all within five, 10 pounds of each other. And you know that you need to deadlift 485 pounds in your weight class to, to get to the top spot you're going to go for 485 pounds, mm -hmm. especially if that's your range, okay? If you don't know what you need, your focus is not going to be laser sharp. It is not. And you're, you're not going to be on point with the task at hand. So you have to have a goal. You have to have it set in your mind and you have to go for it. And, and that is absolutely imperative. If you're looking, if there's a piece of tape set standing way out in front of you for my long jumpers, all right, doing the broad jump, and the, the coach tells you, just jump and we'll measure. Just jump. Mm -hmm. No. But if you know that the last guy jumped eight feet, nine inches, and there is a piece of tape sitting out there where he jumped to or where she jumped to, I guarantee you that you're going to jump. And whether you get to that tape or not, you will have jumped further than you would have had you have not known where that person jumped to. Because you've seen it, and now your goal is to get to it. And so there is no way that makes any sense at all that goals are not important to have. You need them. Again, the focus is laser sharp. There's a purpose. Why am I here? This is why I'm here. There's a motivation, the desire to go after what you want. When I have a goal, my desire is through the roof. Measuring progress. It is very important in making you aware of the first three that I just said. Without this one, progress measurement, you can become very discouraged. And I'll go a little deeper into this. If you are, let's, let's just switch this over to business, all right? For all our business people out there, business majors, people who have their own business, people that work for a business, small or large. Mm -hmm. When you talk about measuring progress, that is imperative. That is absolutely necessary to be successful in business on any scale, on any scale, especially larger companies. You hear forecasting. Business usually runs in, and I actually said this earlier. I just happened to say this earlier. Usually runs in forecasting in one, three, five, and 10-year increments, sometimes even more. But you also measure at the end of that to see where you are at now. It's called benchmarking. Where you're at now as opposed to where you were. If you don't have goals to get to a certain spot, 
okay? Or let's say you do have goals to get to a certain spot. You get there, but you have no idea what you did two years prior. Then you lose that desire. You become mm-hmm. discouraged because you don't know how much better did I actually do? Yeah, you don't even realize that you've made such progress. No, yeah, in business, you have to know what your, your, what your net sales were at sure. this point in time, what your earnings were before interest and taxes, what your profitability margins were before two years ago as opposed to now, five years ago as opposed to now. I, I would think it would, it would let you know whether or not you're taking a loss. Yeah, yeah, so, and, yeah, you need to know if you're, if you're still making a profit, right? Yeah, I mean, I have a small business in TKS yeah. Athletics, and you know as well as I do mm-hmm. that I'm always measuring in terms of accounts, you know, you know uh, as far as uh, accounts payable, accounts receivable, mm-hmm. right. you know, cash flow in, cash flow out. Sure. Uh, when I am I, I 1099, a lot of my colleagues, ladies and gentlemen, to come in and help me whenever I run bigger clinics with a lot more kids, especially different age groups. I have to keep track of payroll uh, and so on and so forth. And so even at a small scale, I always go back to like 2017 to see what I was doing as opposed Mm -hmm. to 2019, as opposed to 2021. So you have to have that measurement in progress to see where you were in order to make the right decisions to move forward. You have to have goals. Not having goals makes no sense to me at all. Progress Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to explain a little bit more. I kind of do the same thing, even within the photography business, uh, where I, I have a booth that I set up as a two month every weekend thing out at that at that fruit farm, right? right. Um, I need to look and see. Uh, okay, so when I offer this package as opposed to this package, which did better? Should I keep this one around? Are less people coming to me because they don't want to pay this amount? And mm-hmm. you, you've got to make those. Th- so you need that that measurement that you have to have. Goals. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. have to. And, you know, and progress. Like I was just going to say, progress can be you know the simple things in life. Sure. Something something as simple as cleaning your room can make all the difference in developing habits. Don't laugh, folks. Mm-hmm. In developing habits and the other aspects of your life. There was a great video that was on Facebook. Go figure, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I, man, I wish I remember this gentleman's name, and I don't even remember the branch of service, but he was speaking Navy. at a grudge. Was it the Navy? Make your bed. He's, the book is called Make Your Bed. Do you remember the, the – I believe he's an admiral. Uh, he could be, I'll tell you what, go ahead. Keep talking. But yeah, that'd be great. So while Joe's looking at that, uh, and he talks about, and now this, this gentleman, I believe was an admiral. He was a high ranking officer and he was a speaker at this graduation for what Joe is pretty sure was the Naval Academy. And he's talking about making your bed and how important making your bed can make such a difference in everything else you do that day. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to go into a little bit further while Joe is looking at that, what he's talking about there. So again, something as simple as cleaning your room can make all the difference, as I just said. It's, yep. it's a great habit, you know? And there's that word. There's that habit word, again, why you need to listen to our show in order. That carries over for sure. Jordan Peterson. All right. No, this is not. That is not the, the Navy Admiral. Jordan Peterson was a great motivational speaker. Still is. Sorry, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he still is a great motivational speaker. He's a best-selling author, and he's a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto. He puts it best in one of his presentations when he says, it isn't so important that your room is in order but that you learn to distinguish between chaos and order. So you're able to act in a manner that produces order. That's exactly what that particular admiral was talking about. Mm-hmm. If he indeed was an admiral. He was. At, at, okay. At that particular graduation ceremony. Right. And, and, and that, when I read that, okay. When I watched that, that speech by Jordan Peterson, I immediately thought about that video on Facebook that I saw with that particular Navy, uh, Naval uh, Academy. Ad- uh, yeah. 
Navy Admiral. Admiral. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, his, his name was William H. McRaven. Okay. Uh, and the name of the speech is Make Your Bed. He also has a book called Make Your Bed as well. And he, I'll tell you this. That's one of the things that I implement now with my children. Uh, first thing, as soon as their feet hit the bed or hit the floor, they're to make their beds. Yes. And, ooh, I, you know, I mean, they're children and it is what it is, but they don't realize the life lesson that I'm actually teaching them. That's at least one thing they've already accomplished for the day and their feet just hit the floor. So, you know, that's something that, that I even implement here. Yeah. And, and that was something implemented to us. Uh, it was sure. make the bed or the orange paddle came out. Yeah. But back then, folks, uh, <laughs> nobody called 911. Nobody uh, called their attorney uh, or called the police. <laughs> you simply just defended yourself with your arms up. And then you learned, I should probably just go ahead and make my bed. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and now it is carried over uh, it, it with our own children, as Joe has just said. So, you know, I, I I will tell you this, this holds true when it comes to accomplishing your goals outside the home. It does. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to make fun of, of my OCD here. Uh, when I'm at work, um, if I see things out of place on my job, I literally can't handle it. I literally have to have everything in perfect order. And I get made fun of this all. I, people make fun of me all the time about this. Uh, you, my roommates from my I, folks, I started my career at General Motors. I started off, I was in an apartment. I was 22 years old. I knew everything. I moved out. And, uh, and so I moved in the apartment and my, my buddies, when they would be coming home, my roommates, if they heard journey playing on the radio, the, the CD, <laughs> they would turn around and leave because they knew I was cleaning. And, 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 you know, they just were like, I'm not walking into that. So it, it, that was just me. Uh, I have extreme OCD and everything has to be in a certain order. It has to be, you know, the way it has to be. And I always get made fun of that water in the sink after I wash the dishes. Oh no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I'm wiping that sink out. I get made fun of all the time about that. Mm-hmm. It is simply my, my OCD. It is me needing organization and that's how I accomplish things in life. And so this making your bed and this cleaning your room struck home with me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, big time. So, you know, finally we ask ourselves this question though. Why do we keep our goals to ourselves for the most part? Mm-hmm. Okay, why should we do that? Not all of us do. And I'm raising my hand right now because I am guilty as charged. Because that's, that is a great question. Thinkers are easy to find. They've been sitting in the same chair the same part of the couch, sitting on the same curb, wondering, dreaming, questioning, fantasizing, and talking about their goals constantly with others. Folks, we are all guilty. Now, doers, as opposed to thinkers, different story. You don't see them in the same spot doing all the aforementioned things I just talked about a minute ago. Mm -hmm. You can't find them at times. They aren't answering you all the time. They're, they're not answering you sometime for a couple of days. It's annoying, right? <laughs> it's, not, it's not because they are mad at you. It's because they're busy doing, not talking. That being said, here are several reasons why, as we wrap up today's show, that you need to veer away from always making sure you spurt out to everybody mm-hmm. what your goals are going to be. Number one... You can change your mind. Then what do you do? You just let the world know that you're going to do this, and now you're not. Number two, you could change direction. Guilty. As a matter of fact, guilty recently. I'm going to tell you what happened. We started getting ready. Joe came to me. 
I want to say August of last year and said, we've got to get you out there in a different way because this whole thing of just putting yourself in Youngstown, Ohio is not going to work. You can't just be in one spot. You've got to be able to be viral. You've got to be out there doing what you do best. Mm -hmm. So we talked about a YouTube channel. Here was the problem. I'm in Lansing and then I'm in Youngstown and then I'm in Lansing. Then I'm in Youngstown. Joe is the guy who edits all my stuff. Joe's the guy that handles all the technical stuff. So he's trying to, on a FaceTime call, my buddy is holding the phone. Joe's on FaceTime. He's trying to tell us where to set up the lighting, where to set up the camera so I could do my YouTube channel videos. It was going to be called The Best You. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. And I did about six videos. I would run them back down to Youngstown, Ohio. Joe would edit them. I'd run back up to Lansing and, and where, I, where, my, where my first job is at, working for General Motors. And, and so and it became almost impossible. I felt like it was an obligation more than an opportunity at one point, And I wasn't sure it was going to work. Joe had already had the ball rolling in his head. And he came to me and said, we're going to change direction here. How about a podcast? My immediate reaction was to kill Joe. And, <laughs> and, and so well, explain, explain why. Yeah. Because I'd already invested in, in the equipment yeah. which I didn't realize can be used at another time and for other things. Yeah, and, and I had already done six videos. And, and so, and then I thought, how is this going to work? And then as Joe began to talk, I began to realize there is a new, there's an avenue here. There is something we can do here. And so we began the ball rolling. Here was what we did right this time. The first time I went on Facebook with pictures of all my lighting set up coming soon. And all I was doing was looking for all the likes, the thumbs up, go get them. Can't wait. When's it coming out? And I'm going to get to that in a second. And then it didn't happen. <laughs> when we, when we decided to go the, the podcast route, I said very little to very little. I did not really talk about it. It wasn't until we had already done about six shows that I then said to people that I, because I knew this was a go, here we go. We're going, we're on, we're live. We had a date set and everything. Mm -hmm. And I, and so, and so that was when I went to people, I made the right decision big time there. You, 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 you cha we changed directions and I kept my mouth shut for the most part until it was etched in stone. So, you know, you're, you're, you folks, we all do this. I know some of you don't want to admit this. You're looking for approval. You have to remember something. It's not anybody else's goal, but yours. They don't care. They may be telling you great job, good job. Nothing is going to change in anybody else's life. It's going to change in your life. So that, that is not their goal. Leave it to yourself. All right. It's yours. There was a study. It was done by a, I hope, I'm here, I, why do we always pick these names? It was a study done, I, I picked <laughs> it because it was a great study, done by Peter Golwitzer, all right? Sir, I apologize if I didn't say your name right. It was a <laughs> Peter Golwitzer study. As a, now he, who was he? He's a German professor of psychology at New York University. Okay. Uh, he, dives, he dives deep into goal setting and how it affects human behavior. And... Uh, and in this study, he, this is what he did. He took 163 people, so not a very large sample size, but a great, a great study here. So listen up. With these 163 people, he took half of them, or I guess approximately half because you can't take exactly half of 163, <laughs> uh, and he made goals, okay? 
and uh, half made the goals and announced them, and the other half remained quiet about their goals. The half that went public with their goals claimed to be very close to achieving them. Now, everyone is given a task they could work on for 45 minutes that could help lead them to their goals. And they could halt the task anytime they wanted. Now, here's the interesting part. Those who publicly announced their goals, went out there and told everybody about them, mm-hmm. they only worked on that task that they were given for 33 minutes on average. Remember how much time they were given? They could have, have up to 45 minutes. In yeah. 33 minutes, they were done. So they had 12 minutes to spare and, and, and quit. While those who remained quiet, they worked the entire 45 minutes and announced that they still had some ways to go to achieve their goals. Remember the first group announced that they were almost there and took less time in that task. The group that was quiet said, we have a way to go yet and took the entire 45 minutes that they were allotted. So here's uh, allotted. So here's the conclusion. When you brag, and I put that in quotes here, when you brag quote unquote about your goals, it's, it's human nature before you achieve them, because you're looking for you're looking for acceptance with them. Mm-hmm. It can lead to such a sense of satisfaction before you actually complete the task or the process that you lose interest in the achievement. You have everyone congratulating you before you've actually achieved anything. And then you lose interest in the goal at hand. Mm-hmm. So as the saying goes, And I've seen this a million times. If you haven't, listen up. Work hard in silence and let success make all the noise. Hmm. That's pretty good stuff right there. I like that. Love it. And and that's the thing, too. When we find our – well, when it comes back to the whole thing with, uh, you know, when we're putting our stuff out there like we did specifically with Facebook and what have you, you know, Mm -hmm. that is the the wrong gauge for us to set – um, our success meter too. You know what I mean? Like we can't really go off of what input we get from those on social media. Because so here's the deal. If we have it, well, if we have something, we have a post out there initially, um, like you were saying, yeah, we're getting ready to start this YouTube channel. Well, half the people that are throwing that thumbs up, it's just because it's you. They don't right. even know that you're so it's very hard to use social media as a gauge for our, you know, our success as is. Right. But then also coupled with the fact that all the facts you just brought up here, um, you know, it just makes it even that less credible, if that makes sense. Yes. And, and, so. and so and so let me let me ask you this. So mm-hmm. as, as people are listening to our conversation, when. When we decided to do the podcast, did we go on Facebook immediately and announce it? No, I believe no. We we had things set up the week of the week uh, when it started to come out. Yeah, it was the week of the podcast mm-hmm. coming out before we said anything, and we had already done, I mm-hmm. think, five shows or no, nine shows, if I'm not mistaken. Certainly, yeah, we would already we had already done nine shows, and we opened up with three shows in one week, right. and and uh, and so. We, and we said to ourselves, remember, we, and we've said this many times, we're going to put it on there just because it's another avenue for marketing. Right. But 
Do not, we, we both said to ourselves, we have to understand that this is not a good gauge whatsoever. And we have other ways that we gauge our show. And right. Joe has all the analytic, you know, and all the analytical data in front of him from geographics to everything else. And that's how we're watching what's going on, what episodes are getting more attention than others, where they're getting attention. And that's how we are making our moves week to week by watching what's going on there. Folks, no offense. Those of you who are on Facebook, we're not watching like how many you are liking and how many you're not. Because the fact of the matter is between me and Joe, we probably have close to 2000 friends on Facebook. <laughs> um, most of you are not listening to the show at this point. No. So, so we're getting people that we're not even friends with on Facebook that are listening to the show. Yeah. And it's not that we're saying to you, how dare you? And no. that's not it at all. What we're saying is all those thumbs up and likes when we put that promo video up and, I, and we appreciate that. We truly Certainly. do. Certainly. But it didn't make us feel good. Yes, because what happened? The, the portion of our brain that is significant because it also the same portion of your brain that is causing gambling problems, <laughs> smoking yeah. problems, drinking problems. It's the dopamine. It's right. the chemical in your brain that makes you feel good. It's the same reason why people love to get text messages. You get a text message, don't lie. You feel good about it. Somebody's thinking somebody, about you. Somebody's thinking about you. Somebody sure. just texted you. Right. And that's why you do it. And so when you see that thumbs up, I've seen somebody put this on Facebook. He always acts like he can care less, but yet he posts 15 posts a day. I don't know where he gets sure. the time at. And he said one time, uh, I could care less about who, like, no, uh, I, I wanted to, I, you know how bad I wanted to text him and go, dude. You totally care. <laughs> you, you totally care. And it's why you desperately need to be on there every two minutes posting. Yeah. And, and, and so, and so it's a human, it's human nature. And so, yes, it did feel good, but, but we did not, we changed our avenue on how we approached social media with the podcast, as opposed to how we did it when I was going to do my YouTube channel, that was exactly the wrong way to do it. Yeah. And so you have to learn and then move forward. All right. So let's, let's, let's sum up today's show. Let's, let's move on. So, so first, when you're asking your doctor about starting a new healthy lifestyle, be sure to do your homework and have a conversation with them. Don't argue with them. Let them know you only want to try it for a short period of time and see what effects it has on your body. Remember, you have to be your own advocate when it comes to your body. So do your due diligence. Talk with your doctor before starting any new lifestyle. Last, if you're still not convinced by what he or she is saying, ask for a second opinion from someone who specializes in maybe nutrition. By simply remembering the question, am I making plans or excuses, we can hold ourselves accountable when making decisions about things that are perhaps a bit uncomfortable. Consider the outcome as well, and you'll find making plans is usually the best choice. Mm. When it comes to setting goals, if you apply goals to any one category, it can sometimes enhance other categories as well. As Tony said, making the right decisions professionally can definitely enhance and accomplish goals financially. Yes, also, bear in mind, you shouldn't compare your goals to someone else's. Your goals are, are specific to you and are based on what's in your heart. Your limitations may be different as well from others, making the comparison between them too difficult or most likely impossible to achieve. Remember, we set, we set goals for focus, purpose, motivation, and to measure progress. Measuring progress is also very important in making you aware of the first three reasons since without this one, you can become extremely discouraged. Mm -hmm. And finally, we keep our goals to ourselves in the event you may change your mind or direction for your goals. 
also, you just might be looking for an outsider's approval, which is interesting because, as Coach Tony said, it's not their goal. It's yours. Exactly. So that's today's show in a nutshell. Now let's talk about next week. Next week, we will be talking about how often we need to exercise and why this idea that working out every day might be the cause of our undoing. Mm. Plus, the return to something from the 80s, I'm sure. Oh, no, I, I don't have anything planned for the yeah, 80s. Yeah, the we, 70s are... Certainly. We, we deprived Tony of a spot this week, so I'm certainly uh-huh. plenty in store for us next week. Until then, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or opinions, you can leave us a voice message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us each week as we release new episodes every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. You're the best you out there, everybody. Share the show with family and friends. We love to have everybody. Take care. Absolutely. Take care.